Well, good evening, church. I thank God that we've gathered here again. Apologies for being late. I had to take care of some pressing needs and some housekeeping issues. Amen. Well, I'm glad to come your way again. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech and in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we all doing this Wednesday evening? I trust that you're having a good one. How is the, the first week of December looking like? I know tomorrow will be our first week of a brand new month. And I trust you are doing well. Amen. Uh, today we are going to continue our series on What is Jesus Doing? Part 3. Amen. So go with me to the book of Hebrews. Start from verse 1 to verse 6. Praise God. I'm excited about tonight's teaching. I read. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So, I don't know. Can you observe some dual positions in this scripture here of Jesus? He's a high priest and he's a Lord. You know, priests are not lords, and lords are not necessarily priests. You get it? Is this this a, a a priestly king or a kingly priest? All right, he's not just in charge of the tabernacle or the church. He is also in charge of the world. All right. Verse 3, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, see that's very important where to note this one. This is a different high priest. Also have something to offer. So that's what made Jesus' priesthood a cut above the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood. You know, they all offer gifts and sacrifices. It's very necessary. But Jesus came to offer something greater more than that. For if you are on earth, he will not be a priest, since there are priests who offer their gifts according to the law. That is my key word, verse 5. Who serve the copy and the shadow. Now, do you know why Jesus would have not been a priest? He wouldn't have been a priest because he didn't come from the tribe of Levites. Because during the, the, the time of the Levitical priesthood, every priest had to come from the tribe of Levi. I understand the name. It was a statute and it was a decree by the Lord 
that those tribes they were separate they were not even counted they were not part of the census you know those days when you were counting israel you don't count levites so it's whatever number minus the levites they are separate it's i don't want to sound controversial but it's almost like a tithe you know a tithe is a portion dedicated to the lord it's a tenth part all right Anyway, the, the, the Jewish tribes were not 12. That's why I, said I don't want to use it. But you, I, I hope you kind of get that picture. They were separated, consecrated apart. You know, so they were, that, that's why even when Joshua was given the land, they didn't even bother giving the Levites a land. You know, because they were separated. They were, you guys are here. Your job is to become a priest, ministers of the tabernacle, and stuff like that, offer sacrifices. So, if Jesus was a man living on this earth, he would not have become a priest. That's as simple as that. Was one tribe-wise. didn't come from the tribe of Levites. He wasn't a Levite. Or he didn't come from the tribe of Levi. So, let me just ask this question. Who knows what tribe Jesus came from? You know, there were 12 tribes of Judah. 12 tribes of Israel. I'm sorry. What tribe did Jesus come from? It's just a quick brain teaser. Does anybody have an idea? Judah? Yes. And then they said yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Judah. So Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Alright. And there is nobody in the history of Israel from the tribe of Judah who has been a priest. Alright? Okay. Now, there's a reason why all that happened. If I should get into all that, we might not even cover our meat of our study. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer their gifts according to the law, who serve, like verse 5, this is my keyword, they serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain so everything that we are going to read tonight about the priesthood it is a shadow of heavenly things it's a copy of heavenly things and it is a pattern that the lord showed to moses when he was on the mount sinai amen so whatever we will read today concerning the levitical priesthood it's not the first of its kind it's a replica all right and that's why it was very good with that, that question of was jesus a high priest before the law had to be answered because if jesus was not a high priest before the law there would have not been the Levitical priesthood. I asked, why are you going to copy? Why are you going to look at? There, there was one already in place. It's just like legal tender and counterfeits. The only reason you can have a counterfeit, which means a replica, is because of original. It's a duplicate. So the, the Levitical priesthood is a duplicate of the original priest which was jesus and then we relent last week that he appeared in genesis chapter 14 
as the priest Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. We got we got cut off for a minute, but everything in there is recorded. Amen. So fret not. Okay. Verse six. But now he has obtained. Thank you. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So this high priest is also a mediator. So this high priest is a lord, and he's also a mediator. And who is a mediator? A mediator comes from the word mediates. And to understand mediates, let me give you another word, middle. So a mediator is a middleman between two parties. Okay? So a mediator could be someone who, who will see to it that a contract between two parties are fulfilled. A mediator could be a middleman who will make sure that um, a conflict that existed between two parties are ratified or any other thing for that matter. A mediator could also be a referee in sports. That what, what, whoever controls the game, the official in the midst of the affairs is a mediator. So a mediator is a middleman. But in this particular case, Jesus was a middleman between God and man. And what was Jesus doing? Jesus was reconciling man back to God. That's why he was a mediator. And all this happened on the premise of his death, burial, and resurrection. And when all is said and done, we now have a better covenant. Why is it a better covenant? It's a better covenant because this covenant imputes upon us the gift of righteousness. We don't have to work for righteousness. It's better. You know, the scripture lets us know that the law was not for us. The, 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 the law, which is also known as the handwriting of requirements, was against us. Mark those words carefully. It wasn't for us. It was against us. So no matter man's efforts in trying to please God, he will always come short. So it was against us. This one is better because it is for us. And that's why all of us, when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we've been imputed upon the gift of righteousness. We have credit of righteousness. In the Old Testament, you have debit of righteousness. Can you understand it? When you be, when, when, under the law, when, when, you, when you became um, part of the Old Covenant, because there was nothing like a Christian, but when you became part of the Old Covenant as a result of birth or lineage, you were in debit. 
and you are always trying to work so hard to reconcile your balance but in the new covenant it's better because we have credits we start with a good credit and you don't have to worry with funds running out amen so we become righteous that's a great blessing it's a better covenant and christ is also the mediator in the old testament it was the prophets or basically moses through which the old covenant was accepted upon so he was more of a mediator but now it's christ and remember moses also died you understand this doesn't die he lives forever and ever and then it's also established on better promises and for you to understand better promises you just have to read from verses 7 to 13 which talks about that amen so with that said we want to continue on the train of the high priest and for us to understand the high priest i think it's very incumbent upon us based on this scripture to look at the first earthly high priest in aaron or some people say aaron so go into exodus chapter 20 i mean exodus chapters 28 to 30 talks to us more about the priesthood but let me see let's go to chapter 28 so exodus chapter 28 for the first time in israel they are going to understand a new office which was called the high priest so if you read exodus chapter 28 god now gives moses the specifications on the attire of a priesthood okay there are many interesting things there it talks to us about the effort of the priesthood it talks to us about the breastplate of the the, the priesthood and and his garments everything that has to be made all the intricacies of the garments amen let me also ask this question again. What do you think an effort is? What's an effort? I just mentioned the word effort. Who will give it a try? So I said the priest has an effort. What does the effort do? Okay, let me read Exodus chapter 28 then. And let's see if we all have an idea what an effort is. So let me read this in the NIV. Exodus chapter 28 verse 6 to 14. Make the effort of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine twisted linen. The work of skilled hands. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it, of one piece with the effort, and made with gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with finely twisted linen. Take two annex stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. 
engraved the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones, the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the effort as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulder as a name, as a memorial before the Lord. Made gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like rope and attach the thing to its settings. So, from this scripture, who, do you have an idea what an effort is? When you read 1 Samuel chapter 30, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story. The Bible lets us know that David and his troops, they went home and when they went home, their whole region was plundered and the Amalekites had taken their possessions, their families, everybody into captivity. And it was a very distressing situation. You know, they all cried and everything. And one of the popular phrases there in verse 6 is that, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. After David encouraged himself in the Lord, what does the Bible say he did? He said, give me the effort. So what's an effort? From what we just read. When you see the definitions, what do you think of? Anybody can go. Okay, Shaquana. I think when you say effort, it means to try. A tribe. To try something. To try something. Okay, effort is spelled E-P-H-O-D. Okay. Yeah. Who else? Pastor Robert, you also unmuted yourself so you can talk. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to talk about a picture that I've seen in the Bible. Um, so it's like, it's like um, a garment that is worn on, on the wear on the road. I'm trying to describe it in modern times like uh, there is this there's this uh yeah but it's just like a, a strip garment that is worn on there my confusion has been then where is the breastplate and that's what i don't I, i'm not still trying to understand where the breastplate is is it on the on the garment or inside the garment but i know that it's a straight dress uh, it doesn't have um, sleeves that's worn on Amen. Okay. Great, great one. Pastor Jessica. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing Pastor Robert said. It's a type of uh, garment of some sort. Um, and I'm also going off of a picture. Uh, I'm not really sure what it's for, per se. Uh, but God obviously is very specific about it. So I'm thinking that it has some type of meaning to it. And the, the word memorial keeps coming up. So I'm thinking maybe it's something like uh, to bring uh, some type of remembrance of something. Uh, and I think perhaps that's very important to God. All right. Yeah. Great. 
So today I just want to sort of, you know, quicken our brain juices a bit. So when, when the Bible um, 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 said that, David said, bring me the effort. Why do you think he needed the effort? Because I think that will answer your question, Pastor Jessica. Verse 6 of First Samuel chapter 30, the Bible says that, And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And after all that, after he had finished crying and everything, he just said, bring me the effort. So what do you think David needed the effort for? And then when you read a few verses later, David now had a word from the Lord. The Lord told him, pursue, overtake, and recover without fail. So in between First Samuel chapter 30. Okay, someone should open to First Samuel chapter 30 and let's read. I appreciate that, yeah. Okay, I thought you said six hours. First Samuel chapter 30. Someone should start from verse 1 for me. I appreciate it. Oh, I have it. Okay, that read it. For it. That's why. Read. Uh, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it down with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, and they had no more, until they had no more to weep. And David's two wives, sorry, I don't want to say it, but, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, have been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the Ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the Ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So based on what we've just read, what do you think was the purpose of the effort? Anybody can answer. Well, Pastor Jessica just talked about it like, what was the purpose of the effort? She, she wants to know. She, now, I, uh, 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 the contributions that came are correct. The effort was a sleeveless garment. It was a sleeveless garment. You know, when you read the, the scriptures carefully, the priest had the robe, the priestly robes with the breastplates. But he wore just a sleeveless garment, okay? It was more like, I don't know how to describe this. Some of these Indians, I don't know. Can you think of some of these Indian men when they, when they sold the attar? Some of these very intricate embroidered attars, you know? Like with kaftan. Sometimes they wear these jackets on it, you know? Sleeveless jackets on it. On top of their kaftan things. That, that's the only thing I can think about. 
that is an effort it's a sleeveless thing you know so to pastor robert's question where is the where is the breastplate the breastplate is on the the the, the priestly robes but the effort the thing about the effort is that you only wear it for a season okay you just need it for a season and then you don't wear it again it's not a zipped garment it's just a sleeveless garment that you wear on for a robe. So, based on what you've just read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, what do you think the effort was used for? Because right here in the scripture, we just see the stipulations and the specifications, how to do the effort and everything. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it talks more about the purpose. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's just the, how I'm thinking. You tell me if I'm wrong, right? Um, uh, I see it to be something that he needed to present himself to the Lord. Um, he couldn't come before God to inquire of God without it. So I feel like it's something he had to like cover himself with so that he can go before God's presence. Amen. Who else? I think I agree with what this guy said. That's what I was thinking. That if David needed this effort to be given to him before he passed the moment, is that before he comes to the presence of the yeah, he needs he needs to wear the first. Amen. All right. So what you all just said is right. Amen. That the reason why I okay. That the reason why I I I wanted us to probe a bit further is that that's how you understand the Bible. Now there are some people they just read the Bible effort and then they've moved to the next verse. And they've not taken time to assimilate and broken it down and understood what that really means. Amen. So that's all we just did. Okay. So now I hope we all understand what the effort is. The effort is a sleeveless garment. You wear it when you are going into the tabernacle to pray. That's what it's needed for. Okay. So the priestly garments, that's a different thing. With the breastplates, you know, and with the 12 names of the tribes of Israel engraved upon it, that is something different. But on top of that, you also need the effort. The, the effort needed to be worn by the priest when he's doing um, sacrifices or, or when he's burning incense. No, um, uh, not sacrifices per se. But when he goes into the Holy of Holies once a year, the effort needed to be worn. And it also needed to be worn when he's burning incense. Yes, of course, he's communicating with the Lord and all that stuff. Now, thank God, we don't practice incense burning. Amen. It's not, it's not scriptural. And as I would like to say, oh, incense, and that's not scriptural. Amen. Okay. There's a reason why. So sometimes when you are reading the Bible, too, you also have to understand dispensations and the spiritual implication of why that was there amen so i think we've all learned something very neat today 
Amen. Okay. So the priestly garments. That was chapter 20. So chapter 20 just talks to us about the attire. Okay. So now let's look at chapter 29. Aaron and his sons were going to be the priests. So the first line of priests were a family. It was a father and four sons, if I'm right. Nadab, Abihu, Ithama, and one more. Yeah, so there were five priests, okay? A father and then four sons. I see some people criticizing. Today's pastor is, is family business. Well, it was family business then. Amen. <laughs> it was a father and sons. Because, they, because God instituted it that way that the priest had to come from a tribe. Right? So it's a father, Aaron, who was the high priest or the chief priest. And then his four sons who were priests. They were not high priests. It's a difference. They were just priests, okay? And we will talk about the difference between a high priest and a priest in a second. Amen. So let's read from verse 38. So the first 37 verses is talking about the ceremony, the rites of passage that Aaron and his sons will have to go through before they can eventually be called priests. Amen. So let's read verse 38. I want you to see the first function of a priest. Why is a priest called? So verse 38 to 46. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lamps of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamp you shall offer in the morning, the other at twilight. With the one lamp shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil. All right, and all that. Let me, let, me go, let me jump to verse 41. And the other lamp you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer it with the grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering through your generations, at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I'll meet with you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I'll consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I'll dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. So we are hearing from the Lord speaking to Moses. The reason why I want a priest is one to offer gifts and sacrifices. We read it in Hebrews chapter 8. So that, that's the chiefest reason why a priest is instituted or a priest is appointed to the masses and at that time to offer sacrifices. And there were many sacrifices. There are about five different types of 
offerings that when you read Leviticus and Numbers, it goes into two into that, right? So there are five kinds of offerings that they all have to know. The priest was in charge of performing those offerings. It wasn't a member, a floor member. Anybody could do that, right? It's the high priest. So that's his job. His job was to present offerings, okay? And that is a shadow of a heavenly thing, a copy of the heavenly thing, right? Jesus, on the other hand, also came to perform an offering, all right? He also came to perform an offering. Number two, Exodus chapter 30, verse 1 to 10. Let's look at the next function of a priest. You shall make an altar to burn incense. So, after the Lord had talked about the clothing and the rites of passage for them to go through that will make them stand out as priests or a priesthood, he now said, these are your rules. Let me give you your functions. So the first function that we've read here is that they are to present offerings on behalf of the people. Let's look at the second one. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width. It shall be square. Two cubits shall be height, blah, blah, blah. The horn shall be one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Let me give you um, um, a tip. When you are reading scriptures like this, try and switch on um, the imagery of your mind. Otherwise, you will not understand it. Otherwise, it will just pass along as just reading. And you will not get anything. Scriptures like this, you don't even have to even rush it. You need to take your time and paint pictures in, in your head and try and get them in. And sometimes that's why a good study Bible is important. Because sometimes when you have a good study Bible, most of these good study Bibles, when, when they give inferences like this, they always have a picture with detailed descriptions and you are able to understand and get the full meaning of it. Because it's very important to put this in pictures. Amen. All right. So two gold rings you shall make for it under the molden on both its sides. You shall place them on two sides and there will be holders for the poles which to hear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and you shall put it before the well that it will be before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat. That is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on its sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. He shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your whole generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, a burnt offering or a green offering nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year 
with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Um, once a year, he will make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. The second function, you burn incense. You see, so now, when we read chapter 28, it talks to us about certain parts of the priestly garment, the effort. This is where you will need the effort. So when you are going to burn the incense, it's not just enough to wear the priestly garments. You have to wear the effort and then go and burn incense every day. And incense talks about prayer. Okay, so now we are looking at this. Then next week, we will look at a parallel of Jesus as the high priest. Amen. So the next thing is burning incense. Let's look at the third feature. Exodus chapter 30, verse 17 to 21. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a lava of bronze with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. You shall put water in it, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall also wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generation. So another function of the priest was that he was to be in charge of the bronze lava. Okay, the bronze lava just means that that, that that thing was made of lava. You know, it's, it's more like a basin. It's made of lava. It's a place where people wash their hands, wash their feet before they approach the temple to go and sacrifice. So that is all a function. Okay. Then from ne- the next verse, it now talks to us about the constitution of the holy oil. It now talks to us about the incense that Aaron will need to, to, to perform his duty. Amen. So these were three main functions under the Old Testament of the high priest. Now, when you come to the New Testament, that's from Matthew going. From Matthew, let me just narrow it to Matthew to John. That was under the reign of Jesus. You realize that Priest also had some more functions. Amen. So when you read Matthew chapter 26, verse 3, Acts chapter 22, verse 5, and Acts chapter 23, verse 2. Well, it's Bible study. Let's just read it. Okay, so can one person open to Matthew chapter 26, verse 3? Can another person open to Acts 22, 5? And another, Acts 23, verse 2. So who has opened the first scripture could read? Matthew 26, verse 3. 
26, verse 3. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and wanted to take Jesus by treaty and kill him. But, verse 5. Okay. But when they said, sorry, but they said, not during the, the feast, at least happy and uproar among the people. Amen. All right, so Acts 22, verse 5. Acts 22, 5. As also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Amen. Acts chapter 23, verse 2. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Amen. So why do I read this scripture? In addition to the rules, they also presided over the council of the Sahindri. Have you heard of that word, the Sahindri? It's normally in the, it it features a lot between Matthew and John. You see that word. So let let me ask this question. What's a Sahindri? In Jesus' days, there were some people who were important. Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sahindri. Okay, Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert. Yeah, I think I'm confusing it with the. I thought it was an assembly of um, the Pharisees and then the Sadducees. Amen. That's what I thought initially. That it was an assembly of the two of them. Okay. So All right. That's like respect to religious matters. Okay. Who else? So they were a council. So what both of you said described, they were a council mainly for judicial deliberation or religious matters. So you see all the three readings, there was some sort of deliberation there. And the high priest was the head of the council of the Sahindri. When you're a high priest, you are automatically the head. It's just like when you become the United States president, you automatically become the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Is that, is that right? So when you also become a priest, automatically you become the head of the council of the Sahindri. And, and just like Pastor Robert said, it's made up of religious leaders and elders of the states. 
you know, not not necessarily those who were a title per se, but elders of the seats, you know, people who are called gatekeepers. I think that's where we get that word from. You know, it's a common word that is used today. Someone is a gatekeeper. But the people were gatekeepers because they sat by the gate of the city deliberating on matters, uh, judicial matters, matters concerning the community and stuff like that. So when one becomes a high priest, not a priest, but a high priest, you are the head of the council of the Sahindri for judicial deliberation. So apart from what their rules were instituted under the Mosaic Covenant, under the New Covenant, under the New Testament, you know, that's between Matthew to John. I just want to narrow it down to that. Because the, the, the priests featured prominently in that. When, when we get to Acts, right up to Revelation, we hear less of them, you know. But, but during that time, in, in all that they did, their offerings and sacrifices to the Lord, burning incense, and being in charge of the bronze lava, they also were the presiding officers of the Council of the Sahindri. Amen. It's 7.58. I can't believe time is all gone. I don't think we could even get to what we could get to tonight, but all the same, I trust we've all been blessed. I think it's very important for us to understand uh, the priesthood of the Levites, if we are going to understand Jesus, our high priest. Amen. So I hope today's study sort of helped and it opened up some things to you. Amen. Question contribution in the next two minutes. Ah, welcome. All right, in the next minute, can you tell me what you learned? What was striking for you? What did you learn tonight? In the next one minute, then we close. So some things I've, I've never heard of, like, I've, I've heard all of you saying correctly, um, and I feel like I learned what that means, um, what, it, what it is, because I wasn't familiar with it. All right. So now, what, what, what is the effort? You said it was a garment that was needed, that was needed before he presented himself to, before he presented himself before God. Amen. Exactly so. Who else? One more person, and we, we just wrap up for tonight. I'm glad you learned something, Shukwana. God bless you. Yeah. Who else? Uh, I think it's, uh, I found it informative. Uh, I think it's good to know uh, the, uh, you know, how is Jesus our high priest? Understand the role of it. I think that, oh, and then of course you understand more of what Jesus does on our behalf. And I think it's important to go through some of those parts. So I think it's good. 
that's what I learned. Yeah. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for tonight. We have this assurance that you are a high priest. And you are not a high priest for a term. Forever, O oh Lord, you continue to be our high priest. We rest with this assurance of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God willing, please, Saturday we are meeting. Put it on your calendars, 7 p.m. to 8.15. We are having work of ministry seminar, Worms. I feel like it's been like an eternity since we had one. But it's only been three months, I think. Amen. So um, I'm going to be talking on something entitled In the Balance. And what do I mean by in the balance? You'll find out on Saturday. So Saturday, just like you all know, we always have two sessions, a break, and then we have Q&A. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good one. It's the last one of the year. And then I'll, I'll give you the dates for next year. We always try and have four meetings in a year. So God bless you guys. Good night. Thank you all for attending. I love you guys. Blessings.